You're listening to the API The Docs podcast with Anet Pozsár and Laura Vas. We are here to talk about API documentation, upstream and downstream. Anet and I are a part of the team behind the API The Docs conferences. And in our daytime professions, we research and build developer portals at Pronovix. Today, our guest is Fabian Rodriguez as the developer tech lead on Station. This is the documentation platform Oneage built for their own API suite. We are really excited to have you as our guest today, Fabian. Hi. Hi, Laura. Um, yeah, thanks for, uh, for having me here. I'm really excited as well uh, to be part of the podcast and yeah, to talk about Station. Besides being a software engineer, you told us before we started the recording here that you're also uh, not willing to talk about the Fight Club, but you are a fan of science fiction <laughs> and Stephen King, football, triathlon and open source software, not necessarily in this order. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a um, weird mix, I guess. Um, but um, yeah, I'm an avid reader and I do like uh, Stephen King for several reasons as well as science fiction as well. And uh, the, the whole pandemic has been uh, great for me because I was able to read a lot, but that didn't play um, out well with uh, the other part of uh, what I enjoy doing on my spare time, which is um, playing football and triathlon. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't uh, swim a lot, but yeah, at least I was able to um, keep running and also riding my bike, which is great. That's great. At least for the condition, but well, <laughs> waving from the other side of the street to your yeah. We are, well, I'm, as we are part from Pronovix, working also in developer portals, we are super excited to have you because Oneage made the same decision as we see a lot of our enterprise customers take, that they invest in a platform that they can own themselves and adapt to their own changing needs. Our own customers, they also cannot be hostage to the development roadmap of an out-of-the-box product. At Pronovix, we do this in a Drupal CMS, and it's really great to see other open-source solutions. So the platform station, it began its life in 2017, back then as Nexmo developer. And since it went through a lot of evolution, now, as I understand, it's powering the uh, documentation of the full and very complex API suits of um, the Vonage API developer. Can you tell us about Station? Like, how would you describe it for those who are not familiar with this, but probably have some experience with uh, maybe static site generators? Sure. So as you said, it all started in uh, 2017 when we launched our first iteration. Uh, back then, it was a simple Ruby on Rails application using Markdown files. But yeah, the, the thing about that was that it was a single por uh, purpose port portal. So it only um, powered the Nextmo developer uh, API portal. And uh, it was an interesting choice back then uh, to go uh, with a framework instead of a static site generator or, mm -hmm. or another uh, off-the-shell approach. Because yeah, essentially the reason why we did that was because it allowed us to retain the flexibility to say yes to essentially any change that the business uh, could have as it grew and evolved. Uh, when I joined, the platform was already running. And um, when did yeah, you join? A little over a year and a half ago, actually. And you joined as the the, the lead developer, or yeah, uh, uh huh, yeah. 
And I was kind of intrigued by that choice because I thought, yeah, well, maybe a static site generator would be better for this. But then as I uh, started to look into the code and learn uh, how it worked and the how the platform worked and all the um, features that we needed, I realized that it was uh, the right decision because things like internationalization, code examples, integrations, and uh, other things bec became quite trivial because you can just hook them into the framework and it will uh, work out of the box. And yeah, fast forward to now, I think we took uh, the best approach because what we did was like in the recent months was decoupling the code from the content because back then it all lived in the same uh, repo. And now um, we built a platform that could power any type of content and API references. And it's currently serving our Bonage API development development formal and the documentation for a business collaboration tool. Uh, so it's kind of like content, content agnostic. And yeah, it's open source as well, which is great. Can you, can you tell a little bit more about what were, what were the exact needs that this tool had to serve at its inception point? And then um, the bigger landmarks of how did these became bigger and more and what are the the needs not necessarily what it could do but what does it have to serve at this point like where did where did it come from and what did it evolve to sure so yeah at the beginning it was just uh, rendering our sites and api references but also provide the ability to uh, for users to give feedback on the different pages and references but then the the other thing that we wanted was stuff like uh, internationalization, which is really important alongside with um, an admin panel for reviewing feedback or other things. And also mainly to have automated checks for different things and um, the ability to, um, <clears throat> sorry, the ability to make the, the life of the contributors, both internal and external, is quite simple. So the, the, the idea is to for them to be able to contribute uh, content to the site as easily as possible. Back then, it was a bit hard because, yeah, as, as a contributor, you don't want to run a, an entire web application locally mm -hmm. just to contribute, like, to do a change in the content, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was um, kind of a pain point. And one of the reasons why we chose uh, to split the code and the content and um, make it a platform. So now we have the uh, content living in one repo where you can contribute docs there and the platform with all the code is lives in, in, in another repo. And so the tech writers, engineers, product owners, or any internal and external contributor can uh, just by knowing how to edit Markdown and uh, basic Git skills mm -hmm. and contribute content without worrying about databases, how to handle assets, or a race application. When a software engineer says basic Git skills, that's... <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always makes me a little wary. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's just uh, essentially changing a Markdown file and push it to GitHub. That's all you need. Uh, you mentioned uh, automated 
checks uh, what kind of automated texts are included. Um, Is this for yeah, code only or maybe grammar no. checks? Spire yeah, checks? so we have a wide variety of automated checks. So we have automated tests to make sure that every page and API reference renders correctly. And but we also have um, other types of checks, like uh, we have linters both for code and the API uh, specifications. We create automatically automatically review apps for every uh, pull request, so you can actually see how your change will look like in the page. We have a spell checker for both uh, the content and the specifications. Also, we check for disallowed words. So we have a list of words that we don't want to appear in the content. So we have that. And Is it based every... on some kind of style guide? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like another part of um, what we do. So we, we do have styling, right? Uh, styling. Side guides for writing and code, and they are all uh, in our uh, platform so you, and in the portal, so you can take a look at them because it's actually one of the reasons that we have why we have them is because it's quite easy to build something, but it's quite, quite hard to maintain it. So, yeah, that's why we have the guidelines. It's always hard. And you also mentioned language linting and code linting. Could you manage to separate those? Because uh, otherwise you will just get a lot of false arms, which are becoming noise rather than help, at least in my experience. Yeah. So for the for the content, we have a simple spell checker. For the linters, um, so the platform is built in this Ruby on Rails, so we have a linter for that, and also one for the JavaScript part. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they are kind of a double-edged sword because um, yeah, sometimes you see the CI red because of um, yeah, one of the rules um, gave a warning or uh, there was something wrong, and you have to adapt your code to match that. Uh, but the good thing is that you can always uh, edit which rules you want to have. We try to use the so we use a Rubacop, which is the linter um, for Ruby, or the most common one. And we kind of tailor the rules um, to what to our needs. You also mentioned internationalization or localization. How does it work in station? Because it's always an exciting problem to solve. Yeah, that was one of our biggest projects lately. So essentially, we're translating all the content to Chinese and Japanese, and other languages are um, in our, our roadmap. The the way it currently works is uh, we have an external, uh, like a third party company doing our the translations for us, and we use their API. So right now, what we do is we ship the using their API the content to them, and then we download the translated files and we yeah uh, use them in the in the application so the good thing is that the whole localization stack is in the platform and um, every every business unit that wants that uses station can just use a few um, tasks or scripts that we have and yeah that will push the content to the uh, translation platform and then you can download it Right now, it's a manual process, but we're 
currently working on automating that. And the idea is that um, every time somebody um, opens a pull request and changes uh, some content, a GitHub action will automatically pick up the change and um, yeah, send the file to using the same API to the vendor and then we can download it. And it will save us a lot of time. The yeah. contribution is only in English, right? Uh, yes. And then all the linters, they also respond to only to English language. The style guide is in English. And yeah. um, I don't know if you know about this in uh, Kubernetes. They have a lot of contributors who are not contributing in English. So they, they had to go through an incredible amount of thinking and wondering how to do this because whatever is contributed obviously needs review. Yeah. And in the end, to my understanding, they decided to separate the languages into separate storage spaces, mm -hmm. to speak very generally, and to maintain them separately. And they have their own versioning way of pulling this all together. But they, they found a way to allow contribution not only in English, which is, I guess, hazarding that if you're translating to Chinese and Japanese is also coming your way. Yeah, that sounds uh, really interesting. And uh, it's something that we um, need to con consider as well. Right now, we haven't had any, let's say, contributions on the on other languages besides English. But I'm guessing that um, as soon as we're translating more content into more languages, those will show up, which is great. We, we do have um, other content in the other languages, like blog posts and stuff. But um, yeah, having a way of... Uh, allowing other people and facilitate them to contribute in other languages is, is amazing. Um, right now, when you translate, when we translate the code, it gets uploaded into the same repo as the English content. So you can see all the languages there. But yeah, I know it, it's quite hard to, the effort that you have to, to do to uh, understand something in, especially technical content in a language that is not um, your own. So yeah. Right, it's a high entry level for someone who doesn't have a full command of English. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, well, what we are seeing is that democratization is coming in, in many shapes and forms. And I guess languages will be one of those, which is, uh, I'm just desiring that later, decades later, we'll be like, why didn't we do this before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we're trying to get there like uh, one language at a time. Um, Right now what do you think strange. the first will be? Like, do you, do you see uh, on the traffic what language will be the first that you probably have to um, add more possibilities in authoring? Um, or this is not uh, this is not your domain time. <laughs> I think you with this. Well, it's not a, a decision that I take, but yeah, uh, we decided to go with uh, Japanese and simplified Chinese. Because, yeah, based on conversations with Istib, uh, we chose to target the APAC market uh, mm -hmm. because it's kind of like one of our biggest ones. But, uh, yeah, eventually we will get to Spanish and, and other languages. Do you also use some kind of analytics to target your audience or prove it? We do have some analytics in place in the API documentation portal. But we kind of want to... Well, well there's actually a plan for... Um, redesign it because we do so what matters is that our customers can find like they 
they should be able to find the, the right information, mm -hmm. at least what they're looking for fast and, um, and in a language that they understand. Yeah, so we try to, we are kind of like a data-driven team and we kind of want to improve uh, the way, I wouldn't say track, but, um, but yeah, the way we do analytics on the, on the site. So uh, we can know who our t target uh, audience is, how they are interacting with the page. Like, uh, are you coming to find like just one piece of information or you're trying to see how one or more of our products uh, can interact and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's an interesting project that we have in mind. Can you tell us about the team? behind this how well you started in 17 and so you fabian joined in 18 but i guess you do know some of the history from before that so what team started this and how how did it grow and, and what roles are involved right now in well both creating new features and maintaining this i'm also talking like uh, designers ux just to have a good estimation of what this yeah. does sure um so back then it was only one engineer and one technical writer but of course, all the um, DevRel team contributed content to the platform. And right now the team, so we have um, three technical writers. We have um, Nick Laddy, uh, Tony Bedford, and Mark Lewin. Our manager is Amy Goldsmith, and we are a team of two engineers, Ben Greenberg and me. And uh, that's kind of the whole team. Uh, we do, there's a one designer that helps us with the, well, yeah, all the, that work, but yeah, it's, and we are planning to expand a bit more because yeah, all this uh, change uh, has been quite big. And now that even more parts of the business are trying to use the platform for their mm -hmm. uh, portal, we're going to have more work. But yeah, the, the I mean, one of the biggest uh, thing that we learned is that no matter how small your team is, uh, you should really take your time and invest on your documentation platform. I mean, we're a team of two engineers and we went through this transformation while we also ship features and fix bugs. And we did it in a few months. So yeah, it's really important to, to take care of your documentation portal. So you mean you're honorary tech writer by now? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, that's one, one way to put it, but no, yeah. <laughs> The documentation heroes. <laughs> <laughs> when you are deciding on new features and where you develop, especially you said that you're two, um, two engineers mostly on this. And Ben is going to talk about this also at uh, API The Docs. Are you presenting together with Ben? No, no. He's uh, going to do that uh, alone uh, because I'm, I think I'm on DTO by then. But I will definitely watch uh, the talk. Mm -hmm. So... And also that the new department wants to adopt the tool. How do you decide on, on your roadmap? Who is involved there? So essentially what we do is uh, we have like a meeting with their, their product owner and yeah, probably our manager and, and I, and we just go through uh, what the requirements are and what we offer. And yeah, some of the times uh, it's quite quite easy because we just offer everything they they want out of the box. But there's uh, sometimes that there might be something that they need that we don't support. 
And in that case, yeah. So we need to start planning on how to build that and make it general enough so others can mm -hmm. uh, benefit from it. But yeah, like all this uh, becoming a platform started uh, a few months ago when, yeah, another business unit was using a platform that was reaching its end of life. Mm -hmm. And they reach out to us and say, okay, yeah, I kind of like what you're doing. Can we use it? And I said, well, not yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after a few months, um, they are now extremely happy with the results. When was that along the uh, this evolution that you actually separated the uh, code from, let's call the pros? So it took us a while. I mean, uh, separating them was easy, but uh, making the platform general enough and let's say providing enough configuration to change most of the layout or different parts of, of the app was uh, hard because as I said, it, it was like all lived in the same repo, so it was tightly coupled, but it took us three, um, almost uh, three months. Also, I would say. And what is the reason behind separating those? Because uh, right now it looks like a tendency that Docsess code is not feasible enough, or there are another reasons. What is the reason in your case? Yeah, the main reason is uh, that we want to. Well, there are two reasons actually. One, the first one is that we wanted to make uh, contributions easier. So. And well, and the second one is that, yeah, another part of the business wanted to use the same platform or at least uh, render their docs and portal in the same way as we did, as like in order to provide like a unified experience. So yeah, the we separated them because now you can just run one command in the command line and it will render all the um, documentation for you. And so you can edit your markdown files and you can see the changes for yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's it's easier to maintain because you have one uh, repo with the markdown files. And uh, yeah, you can have a lot of people contributing to it. And on the other side, we can, um, you have like uh, the application code and we the engineers can take care of it. So that the whole process of contributing content became quite easy. Whereas before it was, we had like people saying, okay, yeah, so I want to contribute this, but it's quite hard because I'm getting a DB error or mm -hmm. something with rails or. So that's why uh, it is easier. Yeah. I wanted to ask you to elaborate this. What's the correlation between separating these repos? So it became easier to maintain or collaborate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was a huge win for us. But as I said, uh, it saves us all time. So we can concentrate on what really matters, which is uh, the content and for us engineer the, the, the platform. And the also having a, a platform uh, allowed us to uh, serve different types of content. So we can have different business units using the same platform. So right now, what do you want? The only thing that you need is uh, to have a path to your content and a configuration files. And yeah, just hook our platform into a gem file, which is the way to to include um, Ruby packages in a Ruby project. And that's pretty much it. 
So what um, what kind of advocacy do you actually need to do within Vonage for the adoption of this? Because when you say you just simply, well, there's this, yeah. <laughs> especially in technical writing, the magic word, yeah. <laughs> when somebody says you just simply, everybody's like, uh-huh. yeah, I know. Um, and did you, did you see changes in, in the adoption pattern or rate since you separated and, and, and made it different how someone can contribute? Yeah. So it became quite simpler in terms of, uh, the you don't as a technical writer or any type of contributor you don't really need to worry about the technical aspect or the underlying uh, solution that we are using because you just need to run um, our binary and uh, it will take care of the rest you don't need to set up the odb or anything it's uh, part of a command line and also we provide um, a uh, Docker image in case you don't want to run it locally. So it will mm -hmm. set it up for you. So all the process of um, uh, booting up the the web portal locally has become quite painless for most of our contributors. Whereas before we, we used to get a lot of questions saying, okay, yeah, so I had this error and this and that. And um, yeah, so those things combined with the troubleshooting guide has uh, shown decreasing the amount of questions that we have and people are more, um, we see that people contribute more and um, it's easier for them. It's like now we get uh, the sort of messages on Slack saying, oh, thanks, you made uh, the contributing much easier. Uh, I don't really awesome. get yeah, any type of error as I previously had and uh, yeah, it's all, it was all built with that idea in mind. So, so I just, I want to hammer on this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. So say you have a new member in the marketing team joined as a senior person. And then you said you just have to run the command line. You can also use a Docker image. I'm not certain that that person would be already familiar uh, with these terms. Let's hope for their sake that they are, but let's say that they didn't. Whom in your team would that person find with, you know, I really don't want to butter with this. Here's the text. I already put it in Markdown because I want to be nice with you, but here's the text. Get it, get it up. And so who in the team is found with this? Or do you have, you mentioned a Slack channel? And then yeah. how do you, how do you carefully educate people towards adopting this new tool chain? Yeah. So the good thing about having a repo just for the content is that um, if you don't want to run the, the, um, uh, the binary in, in your command line or whatever, because it might seem too technical for you, that's perfectly fine. The repo is just a set of markdown files. So you can edit the markdown file directly in, on GitHub mm -hmm. or using your code editor or text editor that you want. And you can just push it on a branch and um, automatically you will get a review application. Mm -hmm. So you can actually see how the change will look like in the app. So, and mm -hmm. you don't ha have any need of uh, uh, for running anything on the console or whatever. And uh, we took an extra amount of time uh, trying to 
come up with a really good README and installation instructions in case you want to uh, run it locally, mm -hmm. but that's not really necessary. And yeah, there's also a Slack channel uh, where you can um, come to us and say, yeah, okay, so I'm having this issue or uh, I'm not sure how to contribute to the uh, platform. So I say, yeah, okay, you can look at the repo, there's a readme. And of course, yeah, we have a contribution guides and, and everything. The regarding documentation, do you have some kind of test framework or can you check the rendered output of the documents? Yeah, we do. So we use the standard, um, one of the standard, um, I'd say test frameworks that uh, Ruby has. The, the thing about our uh, documents is that there we start off with the GitHub flavored markdown version, uh, but we extend it a bit. So we, we go through a process in which we convert the markdown file into an HTML file. And in each step, we do a different type of transformation depending on what we want to do. Uh, for example, we, um, we, have tool, we have the ability to add tooltips or uh, images in a different way or links to another site. There's a lot of things that you can do, code samples, tab content, and we do um, test all that. So we have a test for each step of the process, mm -hmm. and we also test the final outcome in the HTML. So you can uh, see the final output before pushing it to the repo? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And where where do you build in the, the review stuff? Because I assume the more contributors you have, the more you have to double down on review. Where Where is that built in in this process? Um, who reviews? Yeah, so we treat our docs as if they were code. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we go through the same process. Uh, every time uh, uh, somebody uh, wants to change uh, the content or the code, we review it. Uh, anyone uh, in our team can review it. Well, if it's content, uh, mostly the technical writers take care of that. Mm -hmm. And well, the engineers take care of the code uh, part of things. But yeah, that's how we do it. So we, uh, we see a change, we review it, we test it, and we release it. It is the same exact workflow that you use for code. And so these are the same, but they are separated. Uh, yeah, it's the same. It's a, uh -huh. yeah, a review, test, and, and deploy. And uh, yeah, they they live in different repos, but the, the people behind so, yeah, them yeah. You, the are doc, yeah. do, you are doing docs as code just in separate repos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a new thing for me. <laughs> what, uh, what did you um, come to? What's fitting you more? Do people ask the team for review or is it better if they already self-select or you do the triage within the the team for a station who's going to do the review for what? It depends on the change. So among the DevRel team, we have the product specialists. So if it's a big change, we have them review it. But um, usually like if, uh, if it's external, um, if there are external contributions, yeah, anyone can review the, the content. And if it's code, then yeah, Ben and I take care of it. And if it's not? Internal non-code, but 
you still have to make sure that it fits the style guide. Yeah, definitely. Uh, either the tech writer or engineer will uh, review it. So you decide that inside the team? Uh, essentially, yes. But uh, some of the times we assign directly the, the let's say, the product um, specialist to review it. We have like a GitHub action for that. <laughs> and but, um, so the documentation platform station uh, has been requested by another department in Vonage. And uh, yeah. as I understand, you need to do some changes to make it more general, uh, generally applicable for other teams. How will this, um, how will the process of uh, authoring and reviewing change? Because this, the necessity of reviewing and approving every pull request requires a big team behind it. Yeah, so it depends. Uh, essentially, the the process is the same. We we don't change the process. We always do the same. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody in, on the team will review it. If it's um, the case of uh, another uh, business team that wants to use Station for their documentation and they want to and they need a feature mm -hmm. or a specific uh, requirement, well, that's. What we do is we, as a team, we plan and uh, we give it a priority and then we build it. But as I said, it's open source, so anyone can actually do the changes. Mm -hmm. And, we, and we, will do, uh, we, we will be the ones who review it instead of mm -hmm. both implementing it and review it. Mm -hmm. You already mentioned a few, but uh, are there any new features in the pipeline or directions to go and this is going to be our last question i guess yeah so the automated uh, translations are really big and uh, something that we are, we are really are looking forward to uh, but also there's a few automated checks we are currently running uh, spotlight mm -hmm. which uh, essentially it, it um, runs some uh, performance measures and generates an audit, an audit report on your site uh, with um, and uh, yeah some of the let's say things that it covers are uh, search engine optimization performance and accessibility mm -hmm. so we're uh, really excited about that because what we want to do is like every time we change the application code we want to make sure that our score remains the same or is better than before so we we don't introduce any regressions or anything. Fabian, do you have a message to leave the listener with? Yeah, I would say um, I want to emphasize the importance of um, investing in your developer portal uh, because in the end, it's uh, the entry point to your customers. So even if your team is small, take your time to design, plan, and build something that will um, make not only um, your life as an engineer better, but also facilitate contributions. Because in the end, it, uh, not only your team will benefit from it, but also your customers. Thank you, Fabian, and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the API The Docs podcast. This episode was sponsored by Vonage, a gold sponsor of API The Docs virtual series. If you go to the website apidadocs.org, you can find the recaps and recordings of past presentations from the API The Docs conferences, as well as the upcoming program. Until next time, be well!